This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. I am your host, Mary Goulet, along with... Richard O'Kay. How are you, Mayor? How you doing? Steve is out today, so we're taking over the mics. How you doing? Oh, let's take a breath for a second. Yeah. We, we have the mics. I know. <laughs> it's going to be fun. We have a great guest, and I think we'll, uh, we'll thoroughly well, enjoy it. I've got oh, this hi, one Wade. question for you guys now that you've you know got control of the mics and let's call it world domination. Um, I'm just wondering which one's pinky and which one's brain. <laughs> no. What? Mary doesn't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know the There's reference. an old cartoon about two lab mice that were trying to take over the world. <laughs> one was pinky, one was brain. I'll let him be brain. <laughs> All right. For sure. <laughs> okay. What we got in store? So we have, um, well, first, Reinvention Radio, right? And w- this is a guest that we know, we know a little bit about. Yes. Actually, I got to ask him the quote. Remind me okay. when we get in. But uh, before we get the introduction, let's, Wade, is he, is he uh, queued up? We're all good to go? Because we might need to reinvent, like, how you pronounce the name. Yes. Now, I know the name, but I can't remember if... It was his full name, or if he reinvented the name, or this the history on the name in general. So, want to introduce him, and then we'll get him started. Well, I'm thinking Vera to lose. Am I think I it's his full name. Mm. Is yes. that your full name? That's it. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, we remember we met you at the New Media Summit. Great pitch, by the way. It was thank you. Fantastic pitch. But so much fun. Before I forget, what was the quote with the? I think I believe it was Forbes quote or something with the. Millionaires and billionaires. Yeah, it's from J.P. Morgan, and it's that millionaires don't use astrology; billionaires do. Wow, oh, that's good. I love it. I love that one. And then there's uh, the quote from um, Donald Regan, who was the former uh, Secretary of the Treasury, I believe, um, and he said that it's common knowledge that Wall Street uh, brokers use astrologers. So it's like once you're above a certain level, you actually pay attention to that. But before that, it's... <laughs> well, yeah, and there's exactly. there's a lot of superstition around that. Yeah. So if people just understand the stars and the moons and all of that are run by the tides, and I mean it's all interconnected, and it's not that we have to like take it as gospel, but take it as a clue. And I think yeah. that's what some people do is they go, hmm, why am I going to push? against mercury retrograde right yeah i mean the 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 thing with jp morgan um so he was he hired a really famous astrologer uh, at the time in the the first part of the century in the 20s 30s the 10s her name was evangeline adams and she became very famous because she actually predicted this fire in a new york hotel right at the turn of the century and so she she predicted this and then Astrology was on trial, and it, like because she actually went to court, like they thought that she was a witch, and the judge actually gave her this basically this test, and he gave her the chart of someone, the birth data, and said, "What's going to happen with this person?" And the, the case goes on, and basically she says, "This person is going to die from drowning," and it turned out to be the son of the judge. Oh, geez, and it happened. 
And so after that, basically, he was like, look, I don't know what's going on, but astrology has legitimacy. This woman is, you know, is free, closed the case. And after that, she became super famous and opened a, like a studio in Carnegie Hall. And she ended up being the, the astrologer and the advisor for King, like King Edward, all these famous royalty around the world, Charlie Chaplin, Joseph Campbell came and visited her in his early days and so, said that everything that so she look did. At that. Was, look at that. Yeah. I mean, look at all the names. So watch this, though. It still comes down to relationships. It yeah. sounds a lot like that person says that to the wrong person. She gets burned at the stake for being a witch. <laughs> you know what I mean? But because this judge on this day, right, I'm not saying that she is a witch or not a witch, right? But what a difference in the relationship that, that was had right there. The Amazing, son got yeah. saved or whatever or... or did he actually get saved in that story? No, he actually he, he actually drowned. did drown. Oh, jeez. Yes, yeah. So she was able to see that in the chart, and then you know someone like a J.P. Morgan came to her, very skeptical, but she was famous at that point, and and he he said that you know what she advised him in business like helped to make him a billionaire. Well, do you remember Nancy Reagan getting so much yeah. grief over consulting an astrologer? I believe it was. He's too young. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I know the story. I'm just yeah, that was in the eighties. So yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a quick question, since it's reinvention radio and sure. you know, we started out introducing you and saying, um, what exactly did you reinvent your name? Let's start at the basics. Did you reinvent your name or was that your birth name? And yeah, then it's a beautiful yeah, go, um, well, it's a beautiful place to start because that was a huge reinvention moment in my life. It was, uh, I was 23 and I, I, was, I chose to do some nature-based philosophy and writing courses through the UC Santa Cruz system. And we had to go in the back country uh, and I was in Utah. So we had to go for five weeks and I had never really been connected with nature. It wasn't part of my upbringing. So this was a huge journey for me, um, really like a, a, a rebirth. And we had to choose trail names. So names that we would have on the trail to kind of let go of the old identity and, you know, all of those patterns and all of that. So uh, I love the, the language Spanish and I wanted the name light in my name. So there was loose and then I wanted truth and that was verdad. But I didn't like verdad loose. So I took off the D, and then I realized that if I added an R, it would be Darlus. And Darlus, Dar is to give. Ver is to see. So Ver, Darlus is to see and to give light, but it also has truth in it. It also has Verde, which is green in it, and the green light is like the heart chakra. you know. And then I later found out that like Darlus means to give birth, like when it's used in combination in, in, in Mexico, they use it that way. Uh, un verre is a glass. So like a glass of light in French, German, it's to become. So verdalus would be to become light. So man, you took this naming cool. thing I pretty seriously. <laughs> like everyone else in the class, just like Bob. <laughs> like, this, like, oh, no, he's got a whole or like brown leaf. <laughs> <laughs> The, well, so, you know, it's it's interesting if I could say this thing about numerology because you might not know, know that your name, right, every letter is like a numerical equivalent in numerology, which is another system that I practice. And what happened is my name – because when you change your name, 
Um, it's like, it's called their personality. It has a lot to do with your personality name number, but what happens is the name you go by might have a different vibration than the name of your birth. So that's the case here. And what happened was when I changed my name, that name number became a one, which is actually my life path number, which is what is determined by your birthday. So by changing my name, it helped me to align with my life path. And that's a lot about it. One is about leadership, independence, entrepreneurialism, uh, taking risks in life. You know, it's very creative. But that was really fascinating to me to discover that as I studied numerology, that I had no idea of that when I changed my name. Now, the interesting thing is people do this consciously, you know, like, for instance, with their business and naming their business. They want to have a certain result from their business or they want their business name to line up with their own numerology. So they name their business accordingly to, to bring some particular intention through their, through their numerology. It's really fascinating. Oh yeah. Like Sharon with nameology or whatever Mm -hmm. her her thing is Mm -hmm. from the conference too. Um, so a quick thing, let's, let's back this up a little bit since this is reinvention radio, you were at school, you were off to go do this. This is what got you to change your name to this light love. And, but it's, but, it didn't sound, I mean, uh, let's just use the term woo-woo right now. Did you always have a little woo-woo in you that were, you were going this direction? Or did you, were you going to school to do something specific and then woo-woo got you, woo-woo got you when you changed <laughs> your name? You know what I mean? And we're just going to use that term loosely. You can call it whatever you want if you have a, a name you prefer. But just was this something you found there or was this always kind of a part of you? Because if you changed your name... And it helped you find your life path. It opens an interesting chicken and egg conversation. Like, were you supposed to change your name? And that's, you know what I mean? So what was the, how did that path unfold for you? Yeah. um, So it really started uh, in in college when I first went to school. So 18, 19. And I was uh, interested in a lot of things. I got a free scholarship to a very like sort of prestigious university. And I was depressed as hell. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what was going on, but it was, it was a tough time in my life and I felt very alone. And so, um, I learned about this, this thing in the world called a kibbutz, which is like a commune in Israel. It's actually how Israel was um, was founded, was a bunch of kibbutzim. So they're like small communities of living off the land. And I met someone in one of my English writing classes who told me about this. And I was needing some, I needed to reinvent myself, to rebirth myself, because I was feeling this depression and um, what told were, my parents. What were yeah. you on your way to do at that time? And then you don't, we well, don't have to go down the path, but just yeah, yeah, so we sure. have in context, like you were depressed because yeah. you were going to be a doctor and you're starting to realize you didn't want to be a doctor or whatever. What, what was that thing? Well, uh, I was starting to, I was, had a lot of interest in writing mm-hmm. um, and philosophy and, but I felt like I had nothing to write about. And that's where I learned about this travel experience to live abroad with people from all over the world in these communes. And I didn't know this kind of thing existed. And I felt like I lived a very sheltered world. And so I left. I left this free ride. And I basically got on a plane without having a guaranteed spot, you know, in in a kibbutzim. I just 
my friend had said, hey, just go call them when you get to Tel Aviv and tell them you want to work. And that's what I did. And it's, it's the most transformational moment of my life because I remember getting off that plane in Tel Aviv being like, you know what, I just won my own life because this was not expected of me. I had some things laid out for me, but here I am depressed. I don't have a lot of friends. So now I'm choosing something that is completely going to determine the rest of my life, whoever I meet, however I feel. And it wasn't expected. And it's, it's my own individuating process. And that was the biggest decision, I think, of my life. And you really. said that was like 18, 19 years old? Yeah, 19. Uh, 20, 20 is when I went. So 19, I was kind of building into it. And then 20, I, I got on that plane and I kind of never looked back. That really seeded the power of travel for me. And now that's, you know, been 40 countries at this point. I'm 40 now. And and it's a big part of my work because I'm an, a locational astrologer. So I help people find their power places around the world for career, for love, for uh, community, for finance. So that kind of began that process of seeing the world and really opening my spirit to what was possible. That was that woo, mm, not so woo, but it kind of began the journey of opening my consciousness. So did yeah. it freak out your family? When yeah. You, yeah. 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 Lots of gray hairs. And, uh, you know, they, they, they wanted me to be happy, you know, and, um, that, that was the main thing, but yeah, they, they were like, what, what the hell is this? <laughs> they were already worried enough with the writer philosopher. They're like, oh man, that was already, yeah. now it's writer philosopher about this, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so we know a bit about you cause we met you at new media summit, but let's update people that may not know that much. What exactly you, you alluded to some of it right there, astrology and numerology, and you, you have a few modalities. What is it that you're currently doing? And then we'll kind of bridge that gap of how you got full bore there. W what are you currently doing? Wow. There's so much I'm currently doing, but, um, I, I a lot of my work right now, uh, is working with clients, uh, one-on-one -on -one mostly. And, and in the new year, I'll be launching a group group coaching, group training programs. But I do a lot of personal coaching uh, in business and in, in relationship and in time mapping. So I help people structure their lives using their charts, their astrological charts, to, to really uh, balance their lives, find wholeness in the different areas of their life, and basically know when to do what. So astrology is this perfect map for that. And then I do a lot of work with the locational astrology, so helping people find their ideal locations around the world, or if they want to take a trip, which places will support their intentions, essentially. So, you know, there's better places for certain intentions or priorities in our life. That's a lot of, of my work right now. Mm -hmm. I do online classes and online courses. Um, and then I, I do a lot of other work. If, if I'm working with clients on a very deep level, like over three or six months coaching, I'll often do a lot of other work, like studied a lot of shamanic practices. So we'll do things like regression work, uh, rebirthing work, going into the womb, some very deep healing type of work. I also do shamanic ceremonial work. Uh, so there's, there's quite a lot uh, that I do. And a lot of that came from the earlier experience, um, which I didn't mention yet, but that really was the seed, I guess, of, of my spirituality, which was the, the collapse of my lungs when I was just 17 years old. I collapsed both of my lungs in two separate occasions. And that was a near-death moment for me where I couldn't breathe for hours and I felt like I had the wind 
being knocked out of my chest. And well, I mean, you did it, if you collapsed your lungs, right? I mean, yeah, literally. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> How did that happen? And, uh, it was called. It's a. It's a spontaneous pneumothorax. It was a spontaneous event, uh, which I later realized was a. You know what in shamanic or indigenous cultures would be a shamanic initiation, and I would probably be chosen <laughs> to be the the shaman of the tribe after surviving something like that at a young age. But there, I didn't cause it by doing something. It it was meant to be, and, well, and, uh, and to be determined, right? Because it sounds like yeah. you, you still might have been nominated the shaman <laughs> of your tribe, though, right? Yeah. It, it, as so, you're building it now. So let's go back. You. You were raised in Utah? No, no. Where I were you raised? raised? Yeah, I was raised in San Jose, California, the Bay Area. Okay. Then you got a, a scholarship to university. Yeah, it, at 17 I um, is when the, the event with the lungs collapsed, and, or with the lung collapse happened. And um, at that age, I was a senior in high school. So um, it was you know, pretty intense to be in high school having something like that happen and had all, all these teachers and girlfriend and friends and family all come and visited me. And it was, it was the biggest outpouring of love that I could ever imagine. And that was the big gift out of that, you know, wounding experience was just to know how much love was, I was made of and, and was all around me. And I think that really determined me stepping into my path as a healer and a coach in a big way. But yeah, I got this scholarship to just uh, go to a Jesuit university called Santa Clara because I went to a Jesuit high school. That's a great school. And yeah. Eh, well, yeah. But uh, for me at that time, it was um, it was very cloistered and uh, not, you know, a, not a happy experience for me. So it was really a salvation to to kind of have that depression, get that calling to leave. And then I came back to school, but I, decide, I decided to, to choose my own major. And I went to UC Santa Cruz and you could do that at the time there. So I created my own major based off of the, the subjects and topics I wanted to study. And I created a major called communication and self-conception. So I, I studied a lot about language and art and how different philosophies, linguistics determine our sense of self. And then that took me into wanting to go to Asia and I went to Asia for nine months. And that's where astrology and sort of the archetypes, the patterns of energy came into my life. And I started to really see that we all are composed of these different patterns. And then astrology became like an awareness that there's a language for this and it can help us in our in our relationships and in our careers. And it was just so fascinating that there was a language for what I was perceiving in these patterns in people and in myself. Hmm. So do you, now just is just a quick question. We're not going to go down the rabbit hole bit, but do you really always look at the charts like before you make a decision on everything now? Are you that locked in or is it kind of like a 80, 20 rule? Like, you kind of you know it enough that sometimes you give it some free reign, or or you pretty much like, nope, Mercury's in retrograde. I ain't going out today. Or just this well, is a personal. Yeah, I just wonder. It's great. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I'm always learning, you know, and I try to stay really humble. Astrology is a is a lifelong learning, and any good astrologer will tell you like that's probably why they chose to do it because you'll study it the rest of your life and you, you really do have to study. 
But, um, you know, you have to live your life as well. Like, you know, I've had to travel during Mercury retrogrades. Like this summer, I had to travel on Mercury retrograde. I will never do it again. I knew I was doing it. I did it for a monetary reason because I got like a free flight. But um, it caused a lot of havoc in my life. And it ultimately maybe wasn't worth it. So it's kind of like that, you know, you know, you know, that, that, that cycle, there's going to be, you know, challenges with travel in case of Mercury retrograde technology, things like that. And ultimately, if you know, going in, you can know a little bit better how to work with that, or you can choose to maybe avoid some of those stresses because a certain cycle is coming in. and, And these are the tendencies during that cycle. And those those tendencies, especially like in my own life, if I know it's hitting me very strongly in my personal chart, then I'm going to pay very serious attention to it. If it's a little bit not so, uh, you know, hitting my chart, maybe I'm a little bit more flex with some things, but I I try to follow that, that tool. It's very accurate. So being a, having gone to a Jesuit high school and Mm. the, I'm a Catholic and they really say don't follow or believe in astrology. How did you resolve that for yourself? Uh, well, not that most, I agree with them. By yeah. leaving, by leaving that school. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I I grew up Catholic as well. Um, I'm not practicing Catholic now. I you know I've studied all the religions in depth, and you know. Uh, feel feel God and spirit and source very, very deeply in my life. But um, the, the resolution um, is more just about education. So uh, the, the thing with astrology and, is that, you know, in most other cultures, like in India, in China, it, it, it never left the mainstream. You know, it's always been respected. I mean, in India, it's, it's extreme, right? I mean, they use it all the time. They do readings for kids as soon as they're born they do it for arranged marriages you know the 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 sadhu or the 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 sage is looking at the chart it's always used in those cultures so and those cultures have many more people (laughs) than are in the west right you have a billion people in both india and china so that's important in terms of catholicism and christianity and astrology in the Renaissance, when astrology was the most elevated in the collective consciousness, like everyone knew about it, everyone was consulting from, you know, very poor people to uh, using it for plant, no, knowing when to plant the crops, right? Uh, farmer's almanac type of thing uh, to, to the most elite, like the De Medici family, they had court astrologers they used astrologers to translate the ancient text because they knew how powerful it was to have this information. And Christian astrology was practiced by people like William Lilly. There was no dichotomy between Christ and astrology because as you start to study both of them, you start to see how the story of Christ is very connected with the sun and the stories of the sun and the times of the year. They're all very linked together. So there wasn't actually kind of a a rift that only came in during the Crusades when it was basically like our version of of Christ and God and nothing else. Everything else was satanic or devil. And so there was this real split. And and that's where we lost the medicine or the teaching 
that astrology can bring to the world, you know, and it, it became demonized and only, you know, only really in this century has it started to come back into fruition. And now, uh, like I mentioned at the conference, you have the the second most popular uh, websites after pornography being astrology sites, and it's really, really growing in the collective. So um, I think people are seeing it as, as what it's meant to be. It's a language, a symbolic language to study patterns, and you can use it to enhance and empower the various areas of your life, or, or you don't use it, but it's it's a very accurate tool to describing reality. So of all those modalities that you know, is astrology the one that kind of leads the way? I'll use it as in marketing language. Like, is that the tripwire, the lead magnet that pulls most people in is astrology? Because you named quite a few things there that you did. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure going up to someone and saying I'm a shaman to some people is like no big deal to other people are like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, <laughs> so like, is astrology the best lead in to start a conversation or what usually works for you? Well, I usually try to lead with the kind of results I can, I can help people achieve in their life because they're, they don't really care. I don't think most people care if it's astrology or human design or a shamanic tool they really are concerned with what can help them in their problem. You know, so if somebody in business is looking for the best times to launch their product or service, we have a a very accurate tool. It can help you learn how to use astrology to help that process be successful. You know, so it's kind of like that. It's why I love that quote. It's literally why I wanted you to do the quote early because sometimes it's just about scratching the record. Right. And Mm -hmm. most people, um, I jokingly say, you know, you can almost always just target the get me laid, get me paid, help me look good to areas uh, in the world of marketing. And (laughs) other than a couple of kitchen appliances, you just saw every single infomercial on TV, right? It's trying to help them make money, (laughs) Christian mingle, whatever, you know, meet somebody or uh, help me look good, right? Beach body. Mm. So when you said that quote, it kind of gave a little bit of levity, but it also was just enough of a hook that's like, well, yeah, what do you really want? And, the, and the, the billionaires are actually paying attention to this. Now, all of a sudden, you got, like, that really got people's, and mm. if I remember correctly, you even got the one guy that was hardest to book, um, yeah. Jim or whatever for the, Jim, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This one, he's like, well, you said billionaires, you had me or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so when you're meeting somebody, like, mm. do you start, breaking down their name and thinking about like, are, is it in the linguistics of the conversation that you're figuring out is a combination of all the above? I mean, uh, if, if that space is invited, you know, like I've learned, and this is something I've learned actually from the human design system, which is this other tool that is fantastic for understanding how to approach your business, how to be in relationships. It gives you a way to understand how to make decisions in your life. Uh, it's your genetic patterns. So, I work with that a lot, um, but you know I've learned from that design that my my strategy is kind of a genetic strategy to to approach people and relationships is to wait to be invited. So if I'm not invited to share those those kinds of concepts and things, they're probably going to fall on on deaf ears, and I'm going to waste some of my energy. Mm. So my approach is to like ask a question, like, "Hey, are you you know would you like to hear this perspective?" Or like if somebody's struggling with something, 
if I can ask that question that that, and they say, yes, then I'm given that invitation. You know, Mm -hmm. if I just launch into like, oh, you know, this, 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 and this is happening. Mm, that that can feel a little bit forced or pushy, even condescending, and so I try to I try to follow my design and ask uh, to be invited, and and that's usually when the best results will happen. There'll be a real dialogue, you know, our souls will be meeting, we'll be in a really juicy space of connecting, but if I try to push that on someone, it it doesn't really doesn't really work. I mean, I love looking up the charts and knowing that because. When you, if you know a little bit about astrology or a little bit about design or numerology, these tools, it helps you kind of see where someone is coming from, you know, their motivations, their MO, right? And their, um, some of their desires in their life and how their emotions run, you know, if you know their moon sign. So it gives you a real deep insight and especially in personal relationships, like in families, you know, and in love relationship. Wow. And, and of course, in business relationships too, but you can see, you know, for instance, I teach a lot about conscious relating and one of the tools we work with is Mars and Venus because Mars represents or symbolizes in astrology, this costume that the masculine wears. It's like a version of, of the God or the masculine that, that a man will wear in his life. And it's kind of his, his voice that he wants to be honored in relationship. And Venus represents that for the feminine. The version of the goddess she wants to be honored for. They're very different depending on what signs of the zodiac they're in. So in a relationship, if you understand your partner's Mars or Venus, you can know how to speak to them or how to be heard or how to ask for the support that you need. And we could get into the specifics of the differences, you know, and give some examples if you want. But that piece alone can, whoa, we could take your relationship to completely another level of communication. So is it, does it, is it more helpful for you to understand, I'd imagine, the other person? So I mean, I'm trying to think of a hypothetical we could run through. Like, how, how would you give an example right now, I guess? Like, would you say, oh, I'm going to throw Mary. <laughs> like, Mary, <laughs> Mary, like, well, I mean, like, what's Dave as far as his sign? Sagittarius. Like, you, like, and so, like, if you just take two people and you say, oh, Mary... Uh, he's a Sagittarius. You should look for these things. Are like what? What do you think? Like if they're if you took the eighty twenty rule mm-hmm. and said yeah. pay attention to these things, what what would be a good example? Well, the first thing is you're you're referring to what we call sun signs, right? So yeah. so uh, Sagittarius is like the the time of the year that he was born. So we can tell we can talk about that, but that's kind of general because. You know, your, your birth chart, your astrology chart is a picture of the sky when you were born. And there are many, many planets. And each planet represents a different intelligence or a different part of your soul inside of you. So when you're talking about the sun, it represents your life force and your vitality. You know, if you, if you don't do your sun sign, you don't feel alive. But if you want to know about how someone's going to react in a situation, what they emotionally need, that's your moon sign. Their sun sign isn't going to, Sagittarius in this case, won't tell us about that. The moon sign will be like, here's how he's going to react. Here's what he needs to feel good and content and safe. And then his Mars sign will tell us what he feels like as a masculine energy, some of his erotic nature and his passions and his desires. So the Mars is really important in relationship. And then Venus will be more like in a man's chart, what he's attracted to in the feminine. 
So I'd want to know those pieces and be like, hmm, how is that showing up in this relationship that you're in? Is that masculine being honored on his part? Is what he's attracted to in his feminine, in his beauty, in his aesthetics, is that showing up in this relationship? So it gets a lot more nuanced. In a way, you could think of astrology as a laser-pointed psychology. And that's how Carl Jung, you know, the great psychotherapist, that's how he talked about astrology. He was pulling up charts for every one of his clients at the end of his life. And he said, you know, astrology, is, it, it's almost like every one of us is uh, like a fine wine, right? We were born at a certain date and time. And astrology lays claim to nothing different than that. You know, just like a wine has a certain character from the time it was born, we are the same. And so when we use it in the way to understand our psychology and our motivations in relationships, in career, in family life, then we have this laser-pointed tool. It's very specific, actually. And so I always wanted to study psychology. And then once I came to astrology, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the the most accurate astrology psychology you could imagine so um, and that's kind of what i was getting back to earlier that's the part that's fascinating to me like do you so if it's so laser pointed then even though it doesn't sound like it's the same question but it kind of was that do you prefer looking at the charts to find out about the person or actually talking to the person to find (laughs) out about the person you see what i'm saying like it's that there's this fine line there Sure. It's great. No, I like having conversations with people and talking to them. And then at a certain point when you, you know, depending on the, the, the character of the relationship, it can be super helpful to know those other pieces. Like, mm-hmm. like if two people are meeting each other, if, if I'm going to have a business partnership with somebody, a serious collaboration, I want to know, you know, their moon sign, like how they're going to feel content and safe in their life or the area of career, like what sign rules the area of career, because that's going to drive them in their career path. I want to know those things and want to see how I'm connected with that. Okay. So here's a perfect, here's a perfect example. You just led me to a perfect question. So at what point does it matter? Like, do you want to know, do you want to look at the charts going in or do you want to just have regular conversation? And I know it's, I'm being picky here, but it's kind of like, it's fascinating to yeah, me. Um, like, do you want to know the signs going in or do you just go have regular conversation and then I want to look at their chart before I sign anything? <laughs> you know, like, is there yeah. a certain point? Like, hey, I can just go have regular conversation, but I'm not going to ink a deal until I look at their chart. Or, like, and again, again. You do this for a living, so I'm being a little bit over, no, the, to- over the top. But Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, this is I love this because it's, it's the question that I had at the beginning. It's the question that most people have, you know, so it's, it's really helpful to, to ask these questions. And I, I'll give you the, the example straight back. So I met somebody at the New Media Summit that I felt like I, I could possibly coach with. Like she would be my coach. And, you know, we, we talked, we did a strategy session and, you know, there was a really good vibe. I mean, I met her at the conference, we had dinner together. I didn't know her chart right away. And then when we talked about maybe coaching together, we shared our chart information with each other because she was open to it. And once I saw her chart, I knew that I needed to coach with this person, that, that she could fulfill that archetype really strongly for me and maybe bring some expansion and inspiration and growth into my life, like bring some opportunities and, and teach me things. So 
in that kind of case, you know, before I made a big investment with her, I wanted to look at the charts, you know, and, and so that, that's a good example. The same thing in, in a personal relationship, like, you know, if I'm attracted to someone, I, I like to feel the energy for a little bit, but sooner than later, right. It's, I want to know their birth information because it's going to show so much about how, you know, essentially what, what kinds of soul connections, contracts we have, how we can help each other. And it helps you to not project onto someone, you know, cause it's so easy cause we're so conditioned to project on each other, like from day one. <laughs> and so if you can use this tool to kind of objectify, you can understand how you connect together and then you can just dive into that relationship with a lot more intention and consciousness. So that's how I've used it, like in a lot of my personal relationships, is to see, oh, okay, here's this way that we weave together. Here's that way. Here's where some of the challenges may be. Let's bring those up, you know? And you can deal with those things immediately instead of have them kind of lurk in the background. And then a year or five or 10 later, you know, that issue's coming up where, the astrology chart can reveal that in the first moments. I want you to do my chart someday. It sounds very exciting. Because my sun and moon are both, I'm five planets in Virgo. Oh, wow. In my Get ninth to work. house. Get to work, Virgo. Yes. <laughs> so in other words, you didn't pay attention in your Catholic class, Mary? You were, you... I've always been drawn to <laughs> astrology and numerology. I've always been drawn to it. Mm. Virgo, you know, Virgo energy is the that, that's my moon sign. So I feel at home there. It's why I need to study, you know, a, like a sacred tool, a sacred system. Virgo energy usually loves to study systems because Virgo loves to see how everything's interconnected, how all the parts, you know, are woven together. And that's what astrology, all these esoteric tools do so well is they, they reflect how all the pieces are interconnected and then how, what we can do with that, you know, how we can evolve each other through that. So uh, it'd be awesome to look at your chart. So you said, um, I was trying to write, but the pen was running out of ink. Was it human dynamics or something like human that? Human design. Human design. Okay. Um, what exactly is that? And is that like software or something too? Because something you said made me think it might be software also, like or it runs the charts or so. Yeah, so... Now we have, so human design is, you know, astrology is an ancient practice from all over the world and every culture. It's been around forever since the first civilization. Then you have human design, which is a channeled system. It came in in the 80s and it came through a man who went by the name of Ra when he was on the island of Ibiza through an eight day experience he had with what he called the voice. And he basically received a system, an intact system system that was using one's birth date, time and place. But it, what it reveals is, is it has a body graph, like a picture of the body in it. And your birth data reflects certain genetic patterns in you. So this system shows you how you're defined on the genetic level. There's 64 codons in our DNA. And this system shows, depending on where, when you were born, how the planets are defining are activating your genetic codons. So it's showing where you're defined genetically. And each of those codons is like a pattern of energy inside of us. And the the design system shows you how you live out these patterns. Now, when you work with design, it ends up giving you an energy type depending on this genetic definition. 
And every energy type has a certain strategy for making decisions that works for them on the genetic level. There's five energy types. There's also things called profiles, which is kind of your personality and your approach to life. There's many elements to it. But basically, there's nine energy centers, which are similar to the chakras. And those energy centers contain those 64 codons in our DNA. So when you look at your design, you're really looking at your genetic imprint. It's like your blueprint from birth. And when you start to practice with your design, oh my God, it shows you how you've been living so much of your conditioning as opposed to who you came to be. And that's one of the beauty or kind of the unique selling points of design is that it reflects your conditioning in your life, how you get influenced by environmental factors. And so this is, uh, you know, shown through these nine energy centers. Some of us have certain energy centers defined, which means we have consistent energy there. And some of us have those centers undefined. So depending on where you're defined and undefined shows where you have regular energy, accessible energy. And the other, the other parts that are undefined show where you're getting influenced by your environment. So then there's strategies to live that out. So design is, uh, it's a way to live your genetics in a very authentic, unique way. It's really how to be the unique version of yourself. And it's an incredible tool. And what's cool is that when you practice a few systems like I do is that some people get their, their human design and they don't get their astrology. You know, they just... They're, they're just like they just hit a different part of the brain or the soul and some people really get their astrology or not their human design or their numerology and not their astrology so i like to i've studied that you know over 12 years now these various systems because when you work with someone different people need different filters to perceive themselves through so it's really helpful to have these different tools do you have dramatic stories about someone coming in and maybe they knew a little bit about astrology or they didn't know anything and neither did the human design. And then the second question, um, the location Mm. where people maybe feel out of their skin in a certain place yeah, and more at home in another location. Uh, Well, I have lots of stories of the latter in terms of the former. What, what do you, what do you mean exactly? So they came and... Because I think a lot of us, we walk around mm-hmm. unconscious in a way, you know, like we... Yes, yes. We're yes. very habitual, we, you know, get up in the morning, same time, drive to work, eat lunch, come home, you know, we just... But do you life mean they had like overtakes. an awakening yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. Did somebody who's maybe not very well versed, I mean, do just curious and then they're like, oh my gosh, I had no I, idea. Sure, yeah, okay. It happens all the time. Like every, almost every reading is like with human design. When, when, when people get their design first read, it's like, and this was true for me too, even after being an astrologer for about seven years, it felt like I was coming home to myself. Like I was like, Oh, I can really be myself. And this is true for a lot of clients. For instance, um, half the world has this center in human design called the solar plexus defined. It's the emotional center in, in us. And so when it's defined, it means you are, you are constantly moving on a kind of emotional wave in your life. You ride these emotional highs and then you ride these lows and you, you know, and there's different kinds of waves. Some of them are more gentle and some of them are much more extreme. And your chart tells you which kind of wave you typically ride. 
But when people learn about this, you know, and they see that, oh my God, yes, I've made a lot of decisions in my life. When I was at that high point of my emotional wave, I was excited, enthusiastic, lit up, but I hadn't come down from my wave yet. And then I kind of regretted the decision because I didn't get full emotional clarity yet. And they get that like, oh, if that center is defined in me, I need to wait to ride my whole wave out. And then I come to that neutral zone where I've, I've been high, I've been low, you know, and I find that emotional clarity or that moment of clarity. And now I can make a decision. And for emotionally defined people, they need to be patient. They need time in their life to make their decisions because the emotions need time. Hmm. Then you, you know, so I have, I talk to people about that all the time and they're like, uh, yeah, that's been my whole life. Or you have people who have the spleen defined and that's their center of authority or where they make decisions in their life. The spleen is completely different than, than the solar plexus. The spleen is this very primal fear-based response in us, very animal-like, and it represents our instincts and our intuitions. So if that's your authority or your place of making decisions, you make decisions in the now. It's always spontaneous, like an animal, right? An animal's always like alert. This is what's happening, flight or fight. And people who have that center defined, their truth is always in the now. So their now and their, their, uh, their truth could look different every day because they're always tuning into this moment. It's like a body-based awareness. So sometimes I'm working with clients and I tell them that this is their authority and they try to make these mental decisions where they've, they've you know, sat on the decision for days or weeks and that is the exact opposite of what their genes are telling them to do. And they know it because they go, yeah, you know, I know I have a good intuition, but sometimes I question it. And then I'm there to say, you know, your design is telling you don't question it. As soon as you go up into your head, you're out of your truth, you know, and it rings true for them. It resonates with them, you know. So it's it's a big aha, but it's like a coming back home. It's like, ah, it, it is okay to trust myself and to be who I truly am. And you can see where you haven't quite been that. And it, it hasn't worked for you, <laughs> you know? So, mm -hmm. so that's the beauty of that. Um, I can talk about location too, if you want, unless you have a question about that. Well, um, I believe in the location thing. So I'm from yeah. Minnesota. When I go yeah. home, I feel like I'm a fish out of water. Mm. But where I live now, I can't imagine leaving even my home like selling my house or leaving my town. I just feel so, it's so familiar to me. Mm. But and then I love Chicago. I could live there as well. But otherwise, I think there's Where do truth you live to now, it. Mary? I live in a small town called Encinitas in San Diego, North County, oh, yeah. San Diego. Yeah, of course. Well, um, I think so there's truth the to it. I really do. I yeah. think that... Do you agree with that, Richard, that there's a vibe that you, your soul resonates with in a t particular location? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm born and raised here and traveled all around, but I always jokingly say there's worse places to go home to because, yeah, I mean, I definitely, definitely feel that. I mean, in, and to Verdeleuze, you know mm. Yogananda, right? Yes. Yeah, the ashram is there. Yeah, it's literally right. Like, she can see it from her house. And... Like, I don't know, it's just like my Spanish, just enough to get me in trouble here. But I, I heard that on all his travels around the world, 
San Diego was like the throat chakra of the world. And mm. right in between where he had the two temples built here is Qualcomm, which I doubt you'd ever see anything in their paperwork about that. But I quite find that quite interesting that the communication. biggest communication chip maker on the planet is smack dab in the middle of the two things <laughs> that he said was the throat chakra. But, hey, who knows? <laughs> Just coincidence. Um, so, right. But on the human design thing that you were just talking about. Yeah. Um, so is that a formula? Like it sounds like there's a you kind of take all these different things everywhere from like the Enneagram to astrology and kind of maybe layer them all on top of each other and then find sounds like um, I do marketing and I look for moments, moments. Mm. And it sounds like you do the same thing just in a different way. You're looking for the right moment to do that. So just like in sports, you get a new mm -hmm. running back coming up, fresh legs, really fast, and he might not do good in the NFL. He might not have learned yet. No, you have to wait for your block. You know, wait for your offensive lineman to go and block and wait for the right moment. So he keeps yeah. getting knocked down until he learns, no, I got to slow down a little bit. So – it, it, are you helping mostly businesses find these moments or people find these moments or is it a bit like what's your sweet spot? I mean, I know there's people running businesses, so no matter what, if you're helping people, you're kind of helping the business too. But are you focusing on businesses or are you focused on individuals? Um, right what? now, I'm, I'm focusing more on business, you know, a lot with this, this timing, exactly like you're talking about, the best times to hire, to invest to launch products and services, you know, when to pull back, um, team building, you know, because uh, both systems, astrology and design are incredible tools for understanding all the team members. Uh, you know, like everyone in the studio there, you know, if you had a little insight about each other, you, you can, you can, you can joke about it. You can help each other out with it, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. And then, and then, um, kind of, I do holistic life coaching. So business obviously is part of that. But then we talk a lot about relationships, and that's been a big part of my path as well as uh, conscious relationship, tantra, yoga. Uh, I've studied a lot with just you know evolving ways of, of intimacy in our lives. So I, I can coach a lot with that. So I, I, I merge a lot of those worlds together depending on the clients I'm working with. You know. So it's got it's um, to be hard. It's almost like art. Arts, how do you – I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but how do you price that? How do you price it? You know what I mean? Like it's literally like art to some people. If you can solve that in that moment, it could literally be priceless to them. Like they'll pay a millions if you told them the right time to do this launch and it's a hit as opposed to a flop. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, like you got to do little jobs with them for a little while <laughs> and then work your way <laughs> yeah. up. Because that's just yeah. like, how do you price it? You know, just a quick, you know, 30 seconds well, to a minute. Like that's got to be tough. It is, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's always, a, a am you know, constantly learning and, um, but usually what I do is I just, I have a, a, a strategy session with clients initially, usually that's a free session. And that's where we're trying to get clarity on what, what are they really seeking in their life? You know, if it's all business related, then that's going to tell me certain things about how I can support them the best. If it's a lot more about their relationships and things like that, then, you know, I can offer a package of services that's appropriate to that. Um, the, the great thing about these systems and these tools is that they are holistic in their nature. You know, they tell us about these various areas of life, like career and finance and partnership and all of that. So, 
it, they they do kind of give a vocabulary for the best ways of of expressing and and being successful in these various areas. So, um, you know, I I work with people on all those levels. And in terms of the pricing, it it really comes to uh, I do have packages, and it depends on on what the needs of that client are. You know, so some people I'll do like a half day VIP experience, and we we can time map for the next three months. Or some people I'm working with for a year, meeting three times a month, and you know it's an ongoing coaching relationship because that's the level of support that they want. You know, obviously that's a bigger investment. So, so where do know, we like, send people to learn more about what you do, and they can reach out to you? What's your website? Uh, DivineTimingCoaching.com. DivineTimingCoaching.com. Mm-hmm. And here's yeah. um, we're coming up to the end of the show. But I just wanted to, I think you'll agree with me, you can take this pretty deep in all these different things that you work with, from the location stuff to human design, birth chart, numerology, relationships. All of this has many, many deep layers. And then if you add on another healing modality to it, it's very holistic and and integrates very well for people. Mm, Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that that's why I do what I do because I get to integrate those things. Yeah. You know, one one quick thing, uh, just about the location. Um, we don't have too much time to talk about it, but it's fascinating about Yogananda because he does have in his relocated chart all of this crazy support around why he called that place his home. So even though he talked about the throat shocker, maybe on a general level, like for him personally that is like one of the most powerful places on the planet for him, Hmm. you know? And that's, that's why it's fascinating when you go into your personal locational astrology, because even though there's general energies in locations, how you interact with the location is very specific to your, your birth chart, your birth moment. Like San Diego for me is often a very dangerous area because I get sick every time because of the planets that I have in that area. I've seen it again and again and again. That's well, fascinating. So, you know, it's it's it, there isn't like the best spot. There's just a better spot for certain intentions in our life. So, it's a it's a great tool to have to know. You know, as you're strategizing your life and your business. Well, thank you so much for being with us on yeah. Reinvention Radio. That's uh, really awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, have a great day. All right, we'll be back with another episode of Reinvention Radio. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit ReinventionRadio.com. Attention coaches, authors, speakers, and business owners. Please pay close attention to what I'm about to say if you want to secure massive visibility fast and generate thousands of highly qualified leads without spending a dime on advertising or marketing. The easiest way to make this happen is to appear as a guest on the world's most popular podcast. We recently came across an awesome resource that provides detailed contact information for 240 new media influencers who are looking for guests just like you. It's called the Ultimate Directory, and for a limited time, you can get the preview edition of the directory absolutely free. That's right, for free. It's time for you to get the visibility you and your business deserve and connect with the world's leading icons of influence who can make you famous with the push of a button. Get your free preview edition of the Ultimate Directory right now at www.myultimatedirectory.com. 
That's myultimatedirectory.com.